So we are in part three of our series called Bullseye. And what we've been talking about is that God created us to aim our lives at something. That you are not here randomly. That there is purpose to your life. That there's something your life's supposed to accomplish. Something your life is supposed to hit. You're supposed to hit a bullseye. There, there's a good purpose for your life. And so what we've been saying is that we got to aim our lives at what God created us to aim our lives at. Because if we don't, we will remain frustrated. Because if he created us to hit that bullseye, and we're trying to hit all these other bullseyes that we create or we think are important, then we're going to continually be frustrated because none of those are the things that God created you for. And so what we said that first night, and I'd love for you to check out the messages online the last two weeks if you missed them, but the first night we said this, we said that the bullseye of your life is to live for God's glory. Now, what we know up front was that that kind of sounds churchy and it sounds nice and it sounds biblical, but how do you actually do that, right? We sing songs and we kind of throw that word glory around. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what God's glory is exactly. I'm not sure exactly how to live for it or how to enjoy it or any of those kinds of things. So what is God's glory? And so the first night we defined it. And we said God's glory is just really pretty much anytime he does anything public. Anytime he says, okay, I'm going to let my awesomeness and my power be realized. I'm going to do something here. And so it could be an answer to prayer. It could be a time you're reading the Bible and something just jumps out at you and just God's incredible love is shown to you. Uh, for the first time, or, or just, I don't know about you, man, I've been a Christian a long time, but sometimes I'm reading the Bible, and God's incredible love just hits me again, and I'm just like, wow, that, that's just God's glory. That's his goodness. It's his awesomeness. It's his power. It's a day like today, where today in the early uh, morning and afternoon, it was like beautiful out, and then all of a sudden it just pounded rain for a while, and now it's beautiful out again. Like, all of that is just God going public. I'm going to make it nice now. Now I'm going to pounce on you a bit, all right? And now I'm make it nice again, all right? And, and you know what? That's just God. It's just showing who he is. So it could be some kind of huge, awesome thing he's done in your specific life, or it's just his goodness. Any way he puts himself on display, that is his glory. And what we said is, is it's the bullseye of our life, the point and the purpose of our life to enjoy and respond to that glory, to, to respond to his awesomeness. That's why you're on earth, right? We all thought it was gonna be some bad thing. But last week we said the best way to glorify God is to actually just enjoy him. To, to enjoy him, to see him for who he is and enjoy him. All that he's done, all that he's given, all that he is, and just simply enjoy him for who he is. Now, tonight I want to talk with you guys about something else because the truth is, is that enjoying God is an amazing thing, but it actually catapults you into something else that also glorifies God. You see, when you enjoy God, it actually takes you somewhere further. So the ceiling here is not enjoying God. It's meant to point you even to something more, more awesome that glorifies God. And that thing is worship, okay? So when you enjoy God, it's meant to catapult you to a place of worship. Now, when I say that, some of you guys go, okay, we're talking about worship tonight, great. I kind of sort of know what worship is. It's what we just did, right? We just kind of sang and stuff like that, and we just kind of talked for a while and all that. And Andrew talked and prayed, and we, that was all worship. And when Andrew said amen, worship was over, and that was it, right? So I get worship, Doug. Thanks. I don't really need the message. Well, see, the problem is, is that we have a ton of issues when it comes to worship. There are tons of things going on in our heart and in our mind and our lives that I think we really need to recognize and talk about tonight. Because if we could truly understand worship, then we would begin to live in a very different way. I think about 
a lot of different problems, a lot of different issues, a lot of different things that we all have when it comes to worship. And you know what? I want to try to tackle a bunch tonight, but I want you to leave here tonight very, very clearly knowing what worship's all about. I don't know if you guys recognize this, but you're a worshiper. Did you ever know that? You ever notice that about yourself? You are a worshiper. Like, maybe you haven't worshiped God, but you're a worshiper. The things that you enjoy, you praise, okay? And, you know, I'm not talking about literally worshiping, you know, getting down on your hands and knees before things that you enjoy, but you praise stuff that you enjoy, you know? Um, a while back, the Hunger Games came out. Everyone's telling me, you gotta see the Hunger Games. You see the Hunger Games, Doug? Go see the Hunger Games. You guys take Kelly, go see the Hunger Games. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Let's go. We'll go see the Hunger Games. And so, you know, I got my wife, and we went to a nice dinner, and we're ready to see the Hunger Games, and we're all excited, and get to the Hunger Games. I sit down in the theater, and there's children killing each other. What the heck's wrong with everybody? You know what I mean? Like, go see it. It's awesome. I'm like, my wife's horrified. Thank you. I'm gonna be on the couch for a month. You know what I mean? Like, just so sad. I think once you have kids, I mean, all I could imagine was my little three-year-old running around with his fake lightsaber away from those dog beasts. You know what I mean? Like, it was terrible. All right? But you know what? What happened there was, was Hunger Games people, you know, the production company behind it didn't call you guys up and say, go see Hunger Games. It's so good. You know what? Tell everyone to go see Hunger Games. Tell them how awesome it is. No, see, you just responded to what you enjoyed. I think you're sick for enjoying it, but, but you responded to what you enjoyed. Okay? We do this with food all the time, right? One of my favorite places, our staff here, we eat at Bobby's Burger Palace a lot. You walk in there, you ask Denise, she'll get us a table, we'll sit down, she loves us, she's great. And you know what? I talk about Bobby's Burger. I was at physical therapy the other day, and my doctor starts talking about food, and we start talking burgers, and I said, Bobby's Burger, Philly, Philly Burger, gotta go get that thing. I went to Bobby's, I got him a $25 gift card, ran it down there, and gave it to him, because I love that place. I love that place. Now, here's the thing. I, I actually met Bobby Flay in there once, but he did not say to me, Doug, in a couple of years, when you slide in a home like an idiot and hurt your leg, can you tell your physical therapist how much you enjoy my food and get them to come down here? No, see, I was just responding to what I enjoyed. And so my enjoyment didn't just end at a burger in my mouth. My enjoyment actually took me to a place of praise. It took me to a place of, of saying, man, this was good, and I got to get this word out, right? You guys do this with sports. You guys do this with all the things that you enjoy. You married couples, you go, I got a good one over here. You know, like you're bragging on your husband, you're bragging on your wife, right? Your you're, you're parents, man, you parents in the room, you guys know me. I'm always telling stories about my kids. Why? Because I enjoy them. And so I respond and I praise them and I tell all the funny stories and all the things they've done. So you know what? You are a worshiper. You can't even help it. You couldn't even stop if you wanted to. But the question is, is, is what happens, because there's something really weird that happens. Once we try to take what we so naturally do out there in the world about hamburgers and ball games and movies and boyfriends and girlfriends and kids and spouses, when we, when we take all that and we try to bring it to an environment like this, like we kind of get all messed up. We, we, we kind of don't know how to make that transition so well. What we do so naturally and so easily and so well with all of life, once we get in this room, we kind of start to struggle with some things. Let me tell you what I think some of those things are. Some of us, we, if we're honest, and this has nothing to do with intelligence or experience, or we just don't get worship. Like we just, we just don't get it. We see people on a stage, we see lights, we see fog, right? I, I just, I don't get it. I see words on the screen, but I don't know what it's about. When I was a youth pastor at about 19 years old, I was out in New Jersey, and I uh, had these kids, and I'm 
supposed to help them understand God and worship, and I had just learned how to play a few chords on my acoustic guitar, and so I'm trying to lead these kids in worship. I just got my eyes closed, and I, I'm just worshiping, you know, and all of a sudden I hear this noise, and I open my eyes, and one of the kids had punted a two-liter bottle of soda across the room, right? Now, he had no clue that was wrong, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't realize that was an inappropriate moment to do such a thing, okay? So I kind of like opened my eyes, you know, and screamed at him. And then I'm back like, oh, Jesus, Prince of Peace, you know, and got back into that whole thing. You know what? But, but he just, he just, I look back now. I was angry at the time. I was ready, you know. He just didn't get it. Like, like please don't punt soda if you don't get it tonight. All right? but, but he just, he didn't, he didn't get it. He didn't understand what, what was going on, what it's all about. Why are people singing? Why, maybe you walked in there, why are people raising their hands? Why are they clapping? Why do they seem excited? Why do they seem happy. What is this all about? Some of you guys might think this is sort of a time to be entertained, you know? We got a great band here, man. A lot of talented people. And, and you know what? That's awesome. That's good. The Bible says play skillfully before the Lord. But I got to tell you, it's about a lot more than just a really good band. Some of you guys might think the opposite. You might be like, well, I guess they're a good band, but it's not really my style. And so I got to tell you, Doug, I have a hard time worshiping to this style. You know, somebody once said to me that really challenged me was that if you have a hard time worshiping God because of the style of music that's being played, then you're really not worshiping God. You're worshiping a style of music. So it can't be that either. So there's got to be more here. What, what's going on? And, and then I think some of us begin to also struggle with this. That it's not so much the music. We're actually okay with that. We, we like that. In here, we feel close to God. We feel like, God, I'm all about glorifying you when it comes to worship. I love to sing. I love that. I know why I'm raising my hands to you because you're my father. And just like a little kid, I raise my arms up to you. Just, I want to be close, God. I, I get it. I understand worship. But see, the problem is that when Andrew says, Amen, have a good week tonight, and you walk out these doors, you think worship is now over until you're back in this room again next week. That's another big, big problem because I'll tell you what, God doesn't desire for us to come in here and sing songs and then go out and live lives that completely deny everything we just sang while we were in this room. See, because worship is, is about music, yeah, but it's also a complete lifestyle. It's the entertainment we choose. It's the way we treat our spouses. It's the way we treat our parents. It's the way we treat our kids and our coworkers and our teachers at school. It's, it's all of life. And some of us miss that. And you know what I think a lot of us, whether it has to do with worship inside this room or worship outside this room, I think a lot of us struggle over this. You know what it is? I think a lot of us just feel like, Doug, I gotta be honest, when it comes to worshiping God, be it with singing or be it with going out and living a life of worship, I just feel like I'm forced into it. I feel like the reason I sing or the reason I do something or don't do something is because God says I should or I shouldn't. I gotta tell you, I feel like I'm kind of just being forced into it. And I got to have this attitude. I'm supposed to have this attitude of love and worship. And, and I just got to tell you, I feel so forced. It, honestly, it makes me want to do the opposite. You know, like that, that's what I'm like, man. I mean, somebody tells me, you know, do this, Doug. I want to do the opposite, right? And so when you come in and, and the Bible says, you know, praise God with singing. And the Bible says worship is a lifestyle. Some of us want to go, well, just because it says that, I don't want to do it. Maybe for some of us, that's the disconnect between hamburgers and movies and how quickly and easily we'll praise those things. And God, because we come in here and we feel like he's telling us, worship me, worship me, worship me. And it's just like, God, what's the deal? Are you insecure? Do you need this? 
Are, are you not okay unless I'm praising you? Like, why, why are you telling me to do this? And so no matter where you are in all of that, I want to talk with you about worship tonight. I want to define worship tonight because I don't think God really wants a bunch of people that will come into a room and will sing songs to him just because he said we should. I don't really think God wants a bunch of people to live their lives a certain way just because he said we should. You know what that's like? It's like my kids. My little kids, they, they get into their arguments, they get into their issues, right? And when it's all over, I, I say, you know, Cade, Brain, get over here. You know, say you're sorry. You know, and they kind of, sorry. <laughs> sorry. And I turn around, they're looking at each other like, I'm going to kill you later. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? And I'm like, you know what? That's not real. You know what I mean? That's not real. That's force. That's because I told them they should do that. You know what? The, the way the world defines worship is exactly like that. Look at what, if you open up your dictionary tonight, you know what you'll find? The way the world defines worship, this is what it is. Love or honor given or paid to a God. All right, God, Sunday night. I'm here to pay you. Thanks for being great. So I'm paying you. God, I'm walking out the door. I'm going to live my life a certain way. Just, I got to pay you. I mean, I guess I owe you because you died for me. So I'm going to do what you want me to do. Let me ask you a question. Is it, is it right that we worship God? Yeah. If all we had was God saying, you should do this, then should we do it? Yes. But listen, is there more? Is there a better reason? Yes. And so tonight I want you to see that reason. I want you to see what worship is all about. And you're not a Christian here tonight, maybe. I want you to know this is so much for you because you are a worshiper. You have it in you. You know you have it in you. And you're spending that worship on all different kinds of things. And like I said at the beginning of the message, that if we spend our worship and we spend the aim of our life at anything less than God, then we will find ourselves continually frustrated. And so I want you to see tonight what worship really is all about, be it singing songs in here or be it living a certain way out there. And so we're going to look at Luke 17 and just see a beautiful picture. As I read through this, you're going to be like, what does this have to do with worship? It has everything to do with worship. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what real worship is. So let's look at Luke 17, verse 11. We're talking about Jesus here. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I just want you to think for a second. Remember I said before some of us feel forced into worship because it feels like God's insecure. It feels like he needs our praise or he just can't keep being God. Well, let's just think about what just happened. Ten lepers, which are guys who have leprosy, who were thrown out of their homes, thrown out of their towns, could not see their loved ones because of their sickness and how contagious it all was. These, these ten lepers meet Jesus. I just want you to think about what Jesus didn't say. See, Jesus did not say to them, first, get down on your knees and worship me, and then we'll talk about if I want to heal you or not. You see, if God was insecure, then that's what he would have done. If Jesus had, a, had a, you know, a complex and wasn't quite sure if he was okay, if he was doing all this stuff right, and he just needed to hear his own name and how great he was, that's what he would have done. He would have said, all right, you, you guys want healing? Down in front of me, bow, kiss the ring, 
and then we'll talk about your healing. But you know what he does instead? He says, here's what I want you to do. Go and be healed. And so these men go and are healed. Now look what happens next. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God, worshiping, in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You know what we see here? We see a guy who just got his life back. I mean, really, we see 10 guys who just got their life back. We see 10 guys who are now allowed to go home. They're allowed to see their wives and their kids and their families again. They're allowed to work again. They, they were out in this colony just waiting to die, and now they have life. And one of them understands worship. And he runs back to Jesus. And he falls at his feet, and he praises him. And he worships him. You know what this guy shows us about worship? He teaches us exactly what it is. You know what worship is? It's a loving response. It's a loving response. What does this guy do? He comes back so excited, responding to the fact that God has just changed his whole life. And so he comes running back, and there's this loving, emotional, joyful response. He has enjoyed God, and that joy in God has catapulted him into what? Praise and worship. I love this picture. I love this image. And so what I want to do is just break this down a little bit. I want to take these two words, loving and response, and just break them apart for you guys and talk about what our worship is supposed to look like. See, our worship is supposed to be loving. It's supposed to come out of a heart that is madly, madly in love with the God who has done incredible things in our lives. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the five love languages. There was this guy who wrote this book. If you're on our collision staff, we've been through this. We've talked about this. But these people that wrote this book, and they talk about how there are these five love languages. And what they are, they are ways that basically humans express and receive love to one another. And I bet you could find yourself in some of these. One of them is words of affirmation. So if like you get, you know, if you feel love when someone encourages you, then probably one of your love languages is, is words of affirmation, or if you, you give love that way, okay? Another one's receiving gifts, right? Some of us, man, when we receive gifts, it's like, wow, that means the world to me, man. I remember we were at our staff meeting, and, and uh, Laura over here, she says, oh, I think that, that one might be mine. And I said, Steve, you got that? He goes, I know. <laughs> he was right there with her, right, right? So you know what? So Laura, I mean, if you got me a gift, I'd be like, oh, that was really cool. Thanks. Laura, man, if you get her a gift, I'm just telling you right now, Laura, stand up. I'm just kidding. Uh, get, get, get Laura a gift. You know what? That's going to mean the world to her. You took the time, the energy to find out what I wanted and how to get it. And wow, that means a lot to me. Some of you guys receive love that way. Some of you guys, it's quality time. You just got to be hanging out with people. You got to be around somebody. And, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can just be standing, doing nothing. You can be watching a movie. You can be at a ball game. It just doesn't matter. You just got to be with people. Another one is acts of service, man. You're going to wash somebody's car, you're going to clean somebody's house, you're going to do whatever, and that's the way that you give or receive love. Last one is uh, physical touch, and I joke about this with our staff. That's one of mine, and I'm not like really kissy-huggy, but it comes out through violence mainly. I punch people and that kind of stuff, noogies, all that good stuff. But you know what? These are the way that we show each other love. These are the way we receive love. This is the language we speak to each other. I, I have a sticky on my phone. 
and it has my wife and my kids' love languages on there because I want to be sure I'm speaking them. I want to be sure that Kate and Brandon and Landon and my wife all know I love you and I'm going to speak your language the way you receive. You know what worship is, guys? Worship, worship is our love language to God. Worship is how we respond to him. Worship is how we show him, God, you are awesome and I love you and I'm so blessed to be in a relationship with you. I want you to just think about this idea of being forced into loving God and, and worshiping him. Like just imagine, imagine my wife, right? Imagine me taking her out to dinner for Hunger Games, <laughs> sitting her down, and we're having a good time, and she just says to me, Doug, this is really sweet, man. Why, why did you do this? Said, you know what? It's been like 12 years we've been married, and you really haven't screwed up too much. I mean, none of our kids have died. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm eating pretty well and gaining weight. <laughs> I guess I'm eating pretty well. Things are going okay. And so I, I guess I kind of owed it to you to just take you out. Again, I'm on the couch for a month at least. You know what I mean? And Instead, what is, she, what is she looking for, and what is my heart in all this? It's to say, hon, I, I couldn't wait to get here. Are you kidding me? I, I, I was so excited to be here. I was so excited and looking forward to spending time with you and comforting you through a horrifying movie in a few minutes. I'm just I'm so excited for the therapy we'll be in after we watch children kill each other. It's just going to be, you know. But, but, but that's, that's the response, right? That, that, that's the heart that she's looking for. That's the heart that I should have, that I'm, I'm in love. Of course I want to take you out. Of course I wanted to be with you. God, of course I wanted to worship you. You don't have to twist my arm, God. I love you. This is a loving response. So what's the second word, response? Look at verse 17. It says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, this is really, really interesting to me. Because before, Jesus had all ten of them in front of him. And he very easily could have said, worship me. Down on your knees and worship me. But he didn't do that. But, but now, he's saying, why is there only one of you here? Now he's saying, how, how come the other nine didn't come back? Why is he asking for worship now? You know why? Because he knows what worship is. He knows it's all about a response. You see, he didn't ask for worship before because he hadn't healed anybody yet. He didn't look for worship before because they hadn't seen how awesome God was. And yet, when finally he had healed these men and one came back, he's going, how come only, how come only one of you came back? I, I was looking for a response. I was looking for a loving response, like the exact thing that you did by running back to me and falling at my feet in love and enjoy, having enjoyed me, you're wired to respond in worship. And I just think about you and I, and I think about the fact that God's done so much for us, and I just wonder. I wonder about our hearts. I wonder about, yeah, a great band and maybe your style of music or maybe not and life that you can go out and live and you can choose to live it one way or another. I just wonder, is your worship, be it in this room or outside, is it a loving 
response. See, some of us are just responding. Like, I think I'm supposed to do this. But some of us are trying to get that love thing down, but we really don't have anything in our hearts or minds yet to, to respond to. And what God is saying is, I want to thrill you by allowing you to experience me and then have you come with a loving response, be it the songs you sing or be it the life you live. Now, some of you guys are thinking, Doug, you're making this a lot about emotions. You know, you're making it kind of sound, Doug, like if I feel in love with God, then I should worship. But if I don't, then I shouldn't because that would just sort of be like lip service. Well, here's what I want to say. I have an attitude sometimes. Like, I come into a church service or I go to open my Bible at home or I go for a prayer walk in the morning or at night and I have an attitude and I just got junk in my heart and I got to forgive people or I got to work through something in between me and God or I got just something I got to get off my chest. And, and you know what? That doesn't mean that I just decide that day, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to worship you the way that I live. I'm not going to worship you with the way that my, my heart acts toward others. Because I'm just not feeling it, God. So I don't want to kind of just pretend here. Now, see, here's what I believe with all my heart, that every single day, every single one of us can get to a place where we're truly responding out of love. Sometimes it just takes some time being real with God and saying, God, I got to tell you, I have some anger in my heart. Or God, I'm really struggling because I really messed up this week and I got a lot of guilt on me. But, But I believe that we can push through all that by God's grace and get to the point where we are truly lovingly responding to God every single day. Be it through the songs we sing or the life that we live. Let's look at the last line here, verse 19. Then he said to him, Jesus says to this leper, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And the story ends. You know what? If, if God were insecure, if Jesus were insecure, if he weren't okay unless he was being praised. You know what he would have done? He would have found the other nine lepers and struck them all with leprosy again. You know what I mean? Because he was some kind of psycho God who needed worship or he just wouldn't be all right. But no, instead, those nine men go on living their lives having received healing from a gracious God. And yet the one comes back and says, I'm going to lovingly respond to you. Some of you guys are thinking, well, that's a nice story. But I hope, I hope you didn't miss the fact that you're in that story. I hope you didn't think that story was just about some random 10 lepers. I hope you recognize that you and I are those lepers. You and I are those people who had a disease we couldn't get off ourselves. That you and I had a sickness that broke us. And like those men were cast out of their towns, you and I were cast out of God's presence. And there was nothing we could do to get ourselves back. And yet, just like Jesus healed those men, Jesus has come to heal you and I of our disease called sin, our disease called rebellion and guilt and shame. And he wants you and I to be free. But I guess I have to ask a question. If that's you, if you're one of the lepers in that story, have you come back lately to say thank you? Have you, with the words that you sing in a gathering like this, or the way that you live your life, have you come back to God to say thank you? Thank you, God, that you 
rescued me from my disease, from my sickness, from my brokenness, from the fact that I was cast out of not just my society or my family, but the eternal presence of God. Have you come back to say thank you? Have you come back to give a, a loving response? Because the truth is, is that we glorify God through worship by giving him this loving response. That's hitting the bullseye, is to glorify him through worship with a loving response. That's what he wants. That's what he longs for. He's in a relationship with you. C.S. Lewis was an atheist until he was about my age. I'm 34. And C.S. Lewis hated the fact that the Bible over and over again commanded us to praise God. He just couldn't get over it. He thought it was so arrogant because all he heard was God saying, praise me, praise me, praise me. And he thought it was so arrogant of God and he just thought God had you know, such issues to constantly need our praise. And then he, he learned something about worship. He discovered something incredible. He discovered what we said at the beginning of the message that we praise what we enjoy. That every one of us, when we enjoy something, respond with praise. And you know what he found out even beyond that? He realized that the joy is not complete until it is expressed. In other words, if you enjoy something, but you don't let yourself praise and worship, then you're actually limiting the amount of joy you can have in any given experience. I mean, just think about it, right? When you enjoy something, you get excited about it. You ever ask yourself, why do I jump up and down? Why am I talking about this so much? Why am I telling everybody I know about this? Because there's a joy actually in just the act of telling it, in just the act of praising it. There's a joy in it. So Johan Santana, man, he throws a no-hitter. I'm not just sitting at my screen just like, no-hitter. You know, I was actually here at the Benefit concert, and about 13 people told me he threw this no-hitter, and I went home, and I had taped the game, and I actually watched it on Fast Forward, even though I knew what happened. And I got to the ninth inning, and then I went to regular speed, and I watched it. And when he finished that last pitch, man, I was like, yeah! And you know, I mean, arms up, you know. Literally, I got some tears in my eyes, not to say, afraid to say that, manly enough. And you know what? It, it was the expression of the joy where the experience was complete. I could have just sat there and just turned the TV off and went to bed, and I would have still enjoyed that he did what he did. But... The joy wasn't complete until it was expressed. And so what C.S. Lewis discovered about God is that this loving response that he's wired inside of us is actually as much for you and I as it is for God. For those of us that look at God and say, why would you want me to worship you? Well, yeah, because you're God and you're awesome and you deserve all worship, even if I got nothing out of it, but because God's so loving, the way he wired this all to work, so that when I worship my God, I am the most alive and at joy I will ever be. Because if we praise what we enjoy, and there's nothing more enjoyable than God, then there's nothing more enjoyable than praising God. If we praise what we enjoy, and there's nothing more enjoyable than God, then there's nothing more enjoyable than praising and worshiping God. It's what you were made for. Some of you guys are thinking, I don't know, Doug, I'm not really convinced because there are a lot of things I like, there are a lot of things I enjoy, and, and i got to be honest, I haven't really enjoyed God all that much. Well, I think 
if I could just compare a few things. I love my wife. I love my kids. But they haven't saved me from eternity apart from God. So they're great and all. But like I said in part one, they can't be the bullseye. I enjoy sports a lot. I enjoy movies a lot. I enjoy friendships. I love what I do here at the church. They're all great. But none of those things have given me peace or joy or satisfaction ultimately. They're all fleeting. They're all momentary. Some days are good. Some days are bad. He's the only thing. He's the only thing that stays constant and is that continued source of joy. And maybe you haven't experienced that for yourself yet. And that's okay. But what I want to say to you, if you haven't experienced the enjoyment of God yet, is to hunt for Him, man. Search for Him. Look for Him with all your heart. Because I guarantee you, when you find this Savior, as you look and as you're open to God, and be it through prayer or be it through coming here or be it through a community group or be it through a Bible we give you or a book or, or just an experience with God or creation, whatever it might be. When you experience this God and you enjoy this God, you will know the joy of taking it to the next level and glorifying Him through this loving response of worship. And so, man, what I want to encourage you to do tonight, if you're a Christian, you've encountered God and you feel close to God, I want to encourage you don't limit your joy. Don't just enjoy God. Worship Him. The joy is not complete until it's expressed. Express it. Express it when we're gathered in this place and express it by your life when you're not in this place. The entertainment you choose, the way you interact with your boyfriend or girlfriend, the way you treat your husband or your wife or your kids, your boss, the way you teach your, treat your teachers tomorrow, Worship God. Lovingly respond to God with all that. And watch your joy go through the roof. This is what you were created for. It's what you were made for. There's nothing like it. It's hitting the bullseye. And he wants nothing less for you. And as long as you and I aim at the other things, we're going to be frustrated. Because you and I were made to glorify God by worshiping him with a loving response. Now we have that opportunity here in this room. And when you leave tonight, you have that opportunity as you just live everyday life. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you that you've created us to find such joy in you. That you've created us not to just do things because they're right, although, hey man, that's, that's a good thing. We should do things because they're right. But that, God, you've motivated us with you, with your love, with your salvation, with the joy and the hope and the life that you bring. Thank you that worship is not meant to bore us or entertain us. I thank you that it's meant to be all about this loving response to you, that this should be a room full of people tonight, a room full of lepers that found healing and salvation at the hands of Jesus. And that as we go our separate ways tonight, that the way I act for the rest of this night and the way I act tomorrow should be worship to you that's lived out of this loving response. It's all a response. It's all about what you have done. God, let that motivate us. 
Let that motivate us, God. When we're tempted to look at certain images on a screen or we're tempted to scream or yell at our spouse or our kids or whatever it might be, let us just instead lovingly respond to you, to your grace, to what Jesus has done on the cross for us, to the fact that we are healed. I can only imagine that that leper that ran back to Jesus' feet would have done anything for Jesus, would have done anything, would have left anything, would have gotten rid of anything, would have done anything Jesus asked him to because he had just received life. And I just pray for us now, God, that there'd be nothing we would withhold, nothing we would hold back, but that we would lovingly respond to you with our songs in this place and our lives out in the world. If you're not a Christian, I want to give you a moment to begin a relationship with Jesus if tonight you're convinced that he loves you and tonight you're convinced you need a savior to wash this leprosy, this sin off you. Only Jesus can do it. Only his death and his resurrection can do it. So if you're convinced, I want to just ask you, just in your heart, silently say to God, Jesus, thank you for wanting a leper like me. Thank you for wanting a sinner like me and for dying on the cross and rising from the dead and wiping away that record of my sin and all my guilt and shame attached to it. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And now let me know what it is to live my life enjoying you and lovingly responding to all that you are.